0: Amen. Well, if you ever Bibles this morning, I'm going to be all over the place. A little bit, you know, here and there. But we're starting our series uh, in, uh, you know, our, our series is, uh, is called Essentials. We're going to be going, in this entire series of sermons, we're going to be going through the essentials, such as today we're going to, uh, we will see that salvation, which is only found in Jesus Christ, is by faith alone. And some of the misconceptions of what others think that they need to do in order to be saved. The world, including many Christians, believe that we must do more in order to receive salvation. Let's just start this morning by simply defining how salvation by faith is defined by Scripture. Why would we define, you know, salvation by any other means than by what the Bible says, correct? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about salvation by faith alone. That faith alone is the only thing that is needed for salvation. That is it. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Ephesians for a little bit. So Ephesians chapter 1, if you uh, would like to turn there, it says this in verse 7. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. What is he speaking of? He is speaking of salvation. It says, in whom we have redemption. Redemption speaks to salvation. It says, we have redemption through his blood, through his sacrifice. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The apostle Paul, in this, in his opening prayer, in this opening chapter, is he speaking of salvation? And the majority of what he is talking about in the book of Ephesians, at least the first half of it, is speaking about salvation. He is speaking how we receive salvation. What salvation you know it brings to us. He refers to it as an inheritance. He refers to it, you know, as. Um, You know, as the gospel of our salvation. All throughout Ephesians, he talks about that. And so that's where we're going to look because also we'll see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that he actually tells us how we are saved, right? And so, but we're going to drop down a few verses down to verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 1. All right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says this In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Our inheritance is what? Salvation being predestinated uh, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Now, it's interesting that as he's going to go on, he's going to begin to use terms that are synonymous, that are basically meaning the same thing, that he wants us to realize, that he's basically almost giving us like synonyms. When he says, "When he, uh, who first trusted, later on we're going to see believed, we're going to see all these different uh, words, uh, faith, and all these other ones that he uses synonymously with salvation, of how you receive it, all right? So it says, who first trusted in Christ, that means they, they believed in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after, uh, after that uh, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom... Also, after, uh, after that uh, ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Throughout this, just this, these three uh, three, four verses that we, uh, we just read, he says trusted, he says believed, he, uh, he talks about the earnest, he talks about the inheritance, he talks about all these things, and these, all these terms are synonymous for salvation. That is what he's talking about. And so he's making a point that he's going to say, we're going to talk about salvation right now and what it means to be saved, how to get saved, all right? And so uh, salvation, if I were to, st- to simply put it this way, to make it, you know, this would make the sermon a whole lot shorter. But I'm, not, uh, I'm going to explain it further. Salvation is simply putting your full faith, trust, belief upon Jesus Christ for salvation. That is what it is. Nothing more, nothing less. That is how we receive salvation. That is what salvation is. It's simply putting our full faith, trust, and belief in Jesus Christ for salvation, for what he accomplished upon that cross. The finished work of Jesus Christ purchased our salvation, right? And so that's what we need to realize is that when we say, and that's the reason why I also want to bring that out is because oftentimes people will say, I believe in Jesus, but are, uh, have they put their full faith, trust, and belief in them? There is a, an analogy that, uh, that I've seen oftentimes you know, for a person that is trying to explain salvation. All right? And what they'll do is they'll, have, they'll use a chair. And so they go over there, and obviously, if I were to trust a chair to hold my weight, what would I do? I would sit in it. Right? Right? If I'm going to sit there and trust it, you know, I'm going to sit there and just sit, you know, I'm going to you know, trust that chair to to put my full weight in. I'm going to sit in that chair. I can sit there and say, I believe that chair. I believe that uh, chair could hold my weight. But it's not until I take that step of faith and put my full faith and trust that that chair is going to hold me, does it actually mean anything. Because there's people that will say, well, I believe you, but they won't do it. How many times have you met somebody and you've told them something, you know, uh, something, you know, uh, you know, that you know is true, like, hey, I believe that this car, not that you should do this, I believe this car can go 100 miles an hour. And they'll say, hey, do you want to go? Oh, no, no, I believe you. But they take that word belief as, you know, like, oh, I believe you, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to trust you enough to say that that car goes 100 miles an hour. Now, you know, the thing is, is that putting our full faith and our trust is taking that step of faith that we're saying, you know what, I believe I trust Jesus for my salvation. It's not, I'm going to use Jesus as a backup plan or a company, have something else, a company along with it. It's not going to be our works. It's not going to be another religion. It's not going to be another philosophy or anything else. It's saying, I am putting my full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Like I said, it is putting our full reliance upon Jesus for salvation. We are fully relying on Jesus for salvation. No works. Nothing that we can do. We put our full faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I know I've said it, but I want that to sink in. That that what, it, uh, what salvation is that we're trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished upon the cross. But we hear nowadays preachers of Christianity adding to the gospel, the good news, don't we? They want to put their little spin on it. They want to you know, make it, that you've got to do certain things in order to be saved other than put your belief on uh, it. They want to add a little bit more to it and a little bit more, and they make it so difficult for somebody to get saved. But I, I'm going to address that a little bit later on in the series. I'll, I'll address it a little bit at the end of the sermon, but... uh, uh, This morning is about salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ. As I said before, salvation is flat out simple. Put your faith, your trust, your belief in Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and uh, resurrection. It's putting that full reliance upon him. I want to hammer that point over and over again because that's what it is. That's what the Bible says. That's what the, and I'm going to show you here in a few moments that that's what it says. It doesn't say, well, if you do this, and if you do this, and then this, you're saved. No, it says if you do this, you're saved. You don't have to add anything to uh, salvation. All right? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So what does he say? He says, for by grace are ye saved. And what's salvation? Salvation is a gift. It says, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we need to look at that right there. It says, for by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. He's using these terms synonymously, interchangeably, and all the New Testament writers, and even in the Old Testament, they will use these words interchangeably, saying the same thing, meaning the same thing, that you put your faith, you put your trust, you put your full reliance upon him and not you. A gift cannot be purchased or worked for. I mean, think about it, if you had a birthday party, and you go there and be like, I got you a gift. They're like, okay, great, but it'll cost you five bucks. Is it a gift? No. A gift cannot be purchased or worked for. You receive it, and the giver doesn't expect anything in return. I've heard people, I mean, I've, I've heard people say that they're going to give a gift, and they're going to say, but you better give me a good gift for my birthday. That's not, really a good, that's not really a gift. That's more of like a command or like I'm threatening you at this moment. But that's one of the things is is that a gift is not... I mean, I mean, think about it. If you have little kids... On Christmas Day, you have all those gifts under there for, you know, for them. You say, well, you better go clean your room before you get those. That's not a gift. A gift is saying, hey, you know what? Go in there. Those are yours. Take it. Let's look upon a few verses, and let's define Scripture with Scripture. Now, the you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 7. And I want you know, to show you something here. I'm going to read the one portion, but I'm going to read the whole thing here in a moment for the context of what it is. Jesus is anointing, uh, sorry, a woman is anointing Jesus in this portion of Scripture. And this is what it says. In uh, Luke chapter 7, starting at verse uh, 46, it says, My head with oil thou dost not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. What is he speaking of? He is telling her that what? That you are saved. It says your sins are forgiven, right? This is a salvation thing. It's not the fact that she's doing something for the anointment or anything else. It is the fact that he is saying, you know what? Because of your faith. And you'll see it here in a moment. Verse 49. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that hath forgiven, or who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee; go in peace. Now that's the, you know the thing right there is that yes, she's going over there and she's anointing him for what? For burial. She knows that he's going to die. That's why she's going over there. That's her worship. That's what her saying, you know what? I believe in who you are. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Messiah, the chosen one that's going to come. And what does he say? He says, your what? Faith has saved you. It's your faith. It's always been about faith. Let's look at uh, John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, starting at verse 14. It says, "And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have ever have everlasting life or eternal life." Now I want to stop there for a moment because there's a teaching out there that says that only God, that God has only predestined some to be saved. That all of a sudden one day you're gonna be like, "Mm, "I'm saved." And you have do have to do nothing, but then other ones are just God has already predestined uh, predestined that they're going to be damned to hell. That you can't do anything, even if you wanted to love Jesus. You're like, I really want to. Like, sorry, He didn't predestine uh, He didn't predestine you, so you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's basically uh, the thought. And this is an erroneous teaching. You'll hear uh, this is called Calvinism, and you'll hear this at certain churches like that have the name like Reformed in them or Presbyterian or any of those other ones that will teach this teaching that says that basically you cannot be saved because, you know what, it's all God, you know, going to do it. And that there's nothing, you know, you don't ask him or anything else. It's only for a select few. But if you look at that part, the reason why I want to stop there says that whosoever, whosoever is who? Anybody. Anybody. Whosoever is anybody. That anybody who wants to call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? So that's why I just wanted to make that little side note and just wanted you to, to see that for a moment. But that's not... Let me get back to what we're doing. Back, back from my rabbit trail. I'm going to go over here now. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See how he used eternal and then everlasting. He, he used those synonymously as well. For God sent his own, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Jump down to verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. How many times in there did he use the word believe? He used it, you know, several, I mean, at least five or six times in that short portion of Scripture. He wants us to realize that if you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you put your faith in Him, that you will be saved. And it says that you will what? That you will, save, you will be saved, that you're not going to perish, that you're going to have eternal life. There's, no, there's nothing more, nothing left, nothing in there says, I have to clean up my life, I have to do all these things in order to be saved. Nothing. I mean... Does anybody you know, uh, see that in the portion of Scripture that I just read? I mean, if you do, I, w- I want to know, but it, it doesn't say it. Let's look at John chapter 5, a few pages over. John chapter 5, verses 24 and 25 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and is now, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. He is telling us that if we believe, he says it again, believe on him that sent me, you know, is not going to die, but you have eternal life. It's belief upon Jesus Christ, and when he says, when the dead shall hear the voice of of the son of god he is speaking to those who are spiritually dead it's not a physical thing he's speaking of he is basically saying when the spiritually dead those that have not believed on me but it says shall hear the voice of the son of god they shall uh, they that hear shall live though it goes along with john chapter 10 where he talks about sheep the sheep know his voice and hear his voice and they do what they follow him. Only the sheep of his pasture are going to follow him. The Bible also says in John chapter 10 that, what? He says that no one is going to be able to take, pluck him out of, out of his hand. It's all by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Let's flip over another chapter in John chapter 6, verse 27 through 29. I'm not going to go through every single verse that talks about this, but I do want to go through a number of scriptures because I want us to understand that salvation is by faith alone. And nothing more, and nothing less. All right? John chapter 6, starting at verse 27, says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat, uh, that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. He, in this moment, he's talking about the meat. He's talking about the fact of sharing your faith. He's saying that this meat that you're going to do, you're going to go share your faith. People are going to get saved. And what's that going to do? It's going to last unto everlasting life or eternal life. All right, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So, in this moment, the disciples are wanting to know how they can do it. what, What does it say? It says, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They're wanting to know, How can I work to get to heaven? What work can I do? What do I have to do? And Jesus responds this, uh, this way. He says, "says Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the work. If you want to say that there's a work, he says, this is the work of God. And it's of God. He says, that ye believe on him that he sent. And so the disciples even at that moment were saying what can i do how can i how can i earn my way there what can i do what how many good things can i ever do to have salvation to get salvation of god and the, uh, what this what i'm teaching this morning basically flat out comes after the teaching the false teaching the heresy that's in the catholic church the catholic church tells you that you have to do so many good things and hopefully you get into heaven and there's a lot of other uh, denominations of Christianity that will tell you the same thing. There's, you know, yes, salvation is by faith, but you need to do a little bit more. No, the Bible never says that you have to do more. It just says that it's by faith alone. And then a few verses down in chapter, uh, in chapter 6, he explains again what's going on. Verse 35 is, and verse 40 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the Son, and believeth on him may have everlasting life he is speaking of salvation he says and i will raise him up on the last day again belief upon him there's nothing more nothing less to it and I know you're going to get tired of hearing it over and over again, but I want to drill home this point over and over again because you will hear people say, well, no, you've got to do this as well. Well, you've got to do this as well. And they'll take scriptures and they'll, they'll twist them and take them out of context. Acts chapter 15, verse 7 says this. And when there had been, and this is, uh, there was a dispute going on about whether or not, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background before I go into it, Sorry. There was a dispute and debating and arguing going on amongst the, the apostles and them saying, you know, you know, arguing back and forth about whether or not the Gentiles could be saved. Because that was a big thing. Yes, the Jews could be saved, but if you're not Jewish, you couldn't be saved. Or what do, they, or what do the Gentiles have to do in order to be saved? They can be saved, that's great, because God, God loves everybody, but they have to do something else. I mean, we're God's chosen people. They're not. And this is when Peter stands up and corrects them. And he says, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us, that the Gentiles by, uh, by my mouth shall hear the gospel and believe. Peter was one that said that he didn't think that the Gentiles could be saved or that they had to do extra things. And what did God do? God visited him in a vision and said, yes, they can be saved. It's this, he was like, I'm the God not only of, you know, I'm not the you know, God just of the Jews. I am a God of over all. And that is what he's telling. He says that my mouth should hear the gospel and that they would believe. Because we, faith comes by what? Hearing. We must hear the gospel in order to reject it or to accept it to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And that is what he's telling him. He says, you know what, you guys are disputing, you guys are arguing, all sort of stuff about what happens. He says, you know, I'm here to tell you that, it's, that, that they should hear the gospel and believe. That's it. Simple. He just kind of ends it right there, you know, in the whole, con, you know, whole thing. Of course, um, let's go on to Acts chapter 16 and another chapter over in the book of Acts. This is right after the apostle Paul And Silas are in the jail. I mean, we sing songs about it, you know, about you know jail and the chains falling at their feet. We love to hear that part, you know. Oh, I just want to sing songs and whatever. I mean, I'm guessing that personally for myself, I could probably sing in such a tune, not a good tune, but that it would probably make it, you know, to where the chains wanted to fall off, so they didn't have to hear it anymore if they could. But anyways, John, uh, Paul, and Silas are singing, you know, in jail. They're all chained up. They begin to sing you know, praises to God, and all of a sudden the chains fall at their feet. Same thing happens with all of those that are around them. The gates are open. They all of a sudden walk out, and all of a sudden the soldier said, you know, is about ready because he goes in there, and there's nobody in their cell. And that's like a death sentence. I mean, you lose one person, they're going to kill you or reprimand you, but you lose everyone. I mean, that's a definite death sentence. And Paul comes out, and he says, no, 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 no. don't harm yourself. And the guy immediately drops to his knees and says, what he says in verse 30 and 31, he says, and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That's all he's, that, that's it. That's, a, that's, that's their gospel message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? And people say, well, you know, do you have to share it with them? I am you know, as they're singing songs, I mean, like we sang this morning. I hope that the gospel messages and the songs that you are singing, and i will be sure that the, you know the guard heard them singing songs, and you know that gospel message. And I'm sure that they say, that, that they were telling them about Jesus. Because there was many a times what that they got stopped for what by by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and told you know, they told them, "Do not preach in this name." Did it stop them? No. They wanted people saved. And so, plain and simple, I mean, wouldn't you love it if a family member or a friend or like your enemy came up to you and said, what must I do to be saved? Simple gospel message is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Plain and simple. I would love it if I had a family member or something like that come up to me or like an enemy or somebody that's been against me like, you know, for the longest time all of a sudden, what must I do to be saved? I don't know if I would have been as calm as them and be like, believe on the Lord. I'd be like, okay, are you really serious? I mean, I would have probably started investigating them first before I gave it to them, but then I was like, oh, okay. Yes, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. All right. But I mean, they go on, like I said, they go and they and they just tell them, plain and simple. They said, What must I do to be saved? And it's it's faith, you know, belief in Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ alone to be saved. Romans 3:22 through uh, uh, twenty-six says this. This is a few pages over. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe. Remember I was talking about Calvinism. There's that nasty three-letter word there, all. He's basically saying that, you know what, everyone could be saved. But also, like I said, I'm going back to salvation by faith. I want to stay on that. He says, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and uh, come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through uh, the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, which just means an atonement through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare i say at this time in righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which what believeth in Jesus we are justified because why because we believed upon Jesus Christ not because we did anything else that's how we receive salvation we make it more difficult than it has to be. We are justified. We are saved. We are what? Why? Because we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. It's salvation by faith alone. Plain and simple. And I wanted to you know, hammer that you know, point home that there's no works because this is what it says in Romans chapter five, uh, 4, verse 5. It says, But unto him that worketh not... So what is he saying? those who don't work, those who don't do the works, those don't, you know, they don't, whatever. What does it say? It says, but believe on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. He's saying, even if you don't work, even if you don't want to do anything, even if you say, you know what, I, at the end of my life, I believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Because some people will say, well, you know, you need to go out there and, you know, just start doing the work. And they're on their deathbed. I mean, think about the thief on the cross. He didn't do any work. Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. It is simple salvation by faith alone. Nothing more, nothing less. That is what the Bible teaches us. It says that his faith is counted for righteousness. He justifies the ungodly. Why? Because they believed upon him. That's the, and you have people out there that will argue with, uh, about this. They'll say, it, it has to be something more. There has to be something more to it. There has to be. No, it's plain and simple. Is that you're changing, you know, you following whatever you wanted to follow, whatever faith you wanted to follow, whatever belief system you wanted to follow, and you're putting your trust in him for salvation. Because there are ones out there, there are different religions out there that will say, well, I believe in Jesus. No, they don't. The, the Muslims, they believe in Jesus. Why? Because he's a prophet. They don't believe that he's a son of God. It's a completely different religion. And so if you're ever out there and you're witnessing to a Muslim, you have to tell them that they must renounce being Muslim or Islam, that faith. Why? Because they're going to say, well, I'll just add it on to whatever I believe. Mormons... They say that they believe in Jesus. They don't. They believe in a weird one that has, you know, that Satan's his brother. That's not the same Jesus of the Bible. So they must renounce that. I mean, there's all these different religions. You know, if you just read the Bible for what it says, we will come to this conclusion. That's the reason why there are so many denominations out there is because somebody got their hair in a little tizzy, and decided, well, I don't like that thought, and they decided to start their own denomination. But flat out, if you read what Scripture says, it just says uh, salvation by faith alone. That is it. There's nothing more. There's belief, full reliance upon Jesus. That's what it is. You're, you're, you're changing your mind from, be, uh, from following the world and what they want, Satan and what he wants, the idols or whatever that, you know, and you're saying, you know what, I'm putting my faith and my trust in Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. But we got to, you know, like I said, we, we need to realize that if what we're telling certain people that they need to put their faith in, it's the same thing even with Catholicism or being a Catholic. You say, well, how can you say that? You know, they, they said, no. For one thing, they worship idols, they also pray to, you know, pray to Mary. They also say that Mary is, is, is part of the Trinity, which I don't know how you have four people and still have a Trinity. Is that like a quadernity? It is not the same thing. I say that as a former Catholic. I was born and raised Catholic, so don't sit there and say, well, you don't know. I know what they teach. They also you know, teach you to you know, call the priest father, but the Bible says don't call anyone father except for God. Don't get me started on Catholicism because I'll go off on a rabbit trail and never get back to what I'm actually preaching. But you know, for other ones, they'll say, you know what, what you need to do is you need to clean up your life in order to be saved. You need to do this, this, and this. I mean, how many people have you ever met because they've got this impression from the church that it says, well, once I get my life straight, then I'll come to know Jesus. No. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Let God do the work in them. I mean, if they're they're following you know, Jesus, you know, they you know they have that desire. I mean. I mean, they may you know, say, I want to believe in Jesus. They put their faith and their trust in him and not do anything else because that's what it just said. They may not do anything else. But it says what? Their faith is counted for righteousness. But if they're reading God's word, don't you think that God's going to speak to them about getting things out of their life? That we need, you know, on those, or that we got to be changed, or that we got to repent of sins, or that we got to be baptized. These are things that in other churches they will teach. That you, there's, there's one that will say you got to, you got to be baptized to be saved. You got to repent of your sins to be saved. You got to uh, speak in tongues to be saved. You got to be. No, the Bible flat out says, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I'm not going to spend too much time, you know, talking about all this extra stuff. I know I've already talked about it a little bit here and there as I've gone through it, but I want you to realize that it, salvation is by faith alone. It's belief upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's putting your full reliance on him. I'm not going to spend too much you know, time but, uh, because I think that we've already seen that it is faith alone in Jesus Christ that saves us. And all those things that I just mentioned, you know, repentance, uh, you know, uh, baptism, you know, repentance, all of those kind of things, Those are all works. Those are all things that you can do. Think about it. I can repent of my sins. I can even do that, even if I'm not saved. I can actually sit there and say, oh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm not going to do those things. I can go, you know, I can go have somebody, you know, baptize me over there and not even realize that I'm even saved. Right? Right? Those are all things that I can have done. Salvation is nothing that you can do, but you're fully trusting in Jesus Christ to do it. Why, you might ask? You say, well, that's what I've been always told and everything else, that that those things are the things that save. Why? Because they are all things, like I said, that we can do, that we have control of, but we can't save ourselves from the punishment that we deserved. We can't save ourselves from that. Only God can do it, and that's by putting our faith and our trust in him. And if you don't believe me, I would say go to the Old Testament and look at Jonah chapter three verse ten. Because we all, you know, if we've seen Veggie Tales or we've seen Jonah the movie or any of those other things, we all know that Jonah is this, you know, reluctant prophet. He runs away, trying to get away. He says you don't understand the Nivites. You know they're they're horrible people, and actually they were very horrible people. Uh, history shows that what they would do to, in order to bring fear was that they would take their enemies, cut their heads off, put them on sticks, and then stick them outside of their out of their fortress as a way of bringing fear to them, saying, don't mess with us, because we will just chop your head up and put it on a stick. I mean, that's what they'll do. Or they just flat out, just impale you all the way through. And they're saying, stay away from us. But anyways, I mean, who wants to go, you know, preach to a Ninevite now? But he doesn't want to. He's like, you don't understand, you know, and it goes through this whole entire thing. And then what, you know, we, we, we know that at the end of it, they end up turning to God and they end up giving their, you know, and and Jonah's mad because, why? Because he's like, well, you're not going to do anything to him? I understand that, yeah, they believed about him, but now's your chance. Just go ahead and smite them because they're horrible people. Just go ahead and kill them. and God's like, no. And this is what I'm going to read. John chapter 3, verse 10, it says, And God saw their works. Whose works? Their works. And it says, and then he gives an explanation of what their works were. That they turned from their evil way. Isn't that oftentimes what somebody will tell you? That in order for you to come to Jesus, you must turn from your evil way or you must repent. God says it is evil. And he says this and it says, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do to them and that he did it not. But what does it say? Their works are evil. Our, uh, all of our works are evil. And so that an explanation of, of their works, our works are, is, which is that is evil, isn't turning from your evil way often what we hear from preachers and people that say that we have to do this in order to be saved. But remember, we just read in Romans chapter 4, verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. There's nothing else that he says that you have to do. He says, when you believe on, uh, on him, you are justified. There's nothing more that you have to do. There's more examples. And actually, let's look at these, because I didn't know if I could get to these, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look at more examples. If you go over your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 4, you're going to see Abraham is um, a great example of, of salvation by faith alone. So Romans chapter 4, let's look there. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and you'll see how, how this works. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to go on here, and this is what he's doing. He's, he's, he's getting ready to show us that salvation is by faith alone. Verse 1, it says in, in chapter 4 of Romans, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by what? Works he uh, he hath whereof to glory but not before God. So what is he telling us that he can glory but it's not going to be before God. Verse 3. For what saith the scripture Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward and, and not is sorry is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But to him that worketh not Believeth not, uh, believe, believeth on Him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, uh, righteousness without works. He is saying, basically, you know what? He's getting righteousness imputed or brought to him, given to him without works. They saved. Verse seven, saying, Blessed are they, uh, are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. He is, he, is, he is telling us that it is by faith alone, that there's nothing else that you can do. He says, blessed are you. Because why? Because your salvation is not of you. Nothing that you can do, but it is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. He is saying it about Abraham. He said it about David in this portion of Scripture. He's saying that, you know, that thing. And am I saying that those things are wrong? Am I saying, is it wrong to be baptized? Is it wrong to, to repent? Is it wrong, you know, to... No. But don't add it to salvation. It's that's that's Those are good things, but they're not to be added to salvation. You're not saved because you got baptized. If that was the case, I got, I got saved when I was like a week old because I was a Roman Catholic. And got saved every time I took a bath after it. You know, was I saved because I repented? No. There's many times in my life where I said, "Mom, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to turn away from my evil way, even though I wasn't a Christian." It's faith alone in Jesus Christ. Let's go over to Galatians chapter three. Oh, and I didn't mention this at the beginning, but uh, this essentials, uh, you know, series I've been going through is more like you know teaching, you know, teaching doctrine and everything else because I want us to understand this. I want us to understand that there are certain essentials that we need to know and understand. I know for some, like, well, I've already learned this. I already know it. You need to hear it again, because oftentimes we forget the essentials. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3. The Apostle, Apostle Paul is rebuking the Galatians because they're believing the Judaizers or the Jewish people saying, you know what, that's great that you got saved, but in order to actually be really saved you need to be circumcised. That's something that they could have done, right? I'm not saying that, uh, and you know, I'm not going to go into circumcision and all that because that's a whole other argument, but they're saying that it's by works. And so Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only will I learn of you. Received ye, uh, ye the Spirit by? He's basically asking, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? He is using works and the flesh in, in, in the same thing; that they are synonymous. Verse four: having, have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. He uh, therefore that ministers to you the spirit. And works miracles among you. Does, does he. Does he it by the works of the law. Or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God. And it was accounted count, uh, to him for righteousness. Uh, know ye therefore. That they which are of faith. The same are the children of Abraham. And the and the, the scripture For seeing that God uh, would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. What does he tell the He says, are you receiving, the, you know, are you receiving salvation because you've done the works of the law? Or did you uh, receive salvation because you heard and you believe by faith? That's what he is you know, telling them. He says, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? Who has told you that, you know what, in order for you to keep your salvation, that you must keep doing works. He never says that. He is saying, you know what, if you want to, and later on, you'll find this in James and other ones, he says, you know, if you think that, you know, you receive your salvation by works, he says, get offended on one point, you're guilty of all of them. It is not about that. It is by faith alone. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into, you know, let's look, I guess let's go over there. Let's, let's go this way. Let's go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. This is the faith chapter, by faith, by faith, by faith. We see this throughout scripture. It's by faith that we receive salvation. That is it. That's it. Afterwards, I'm you know, here everybody, you said it over and over again because I'm trying to hammer that point alone to you. Because, you know what? Because honestly, some of us in here said that they received salvation, but it was plus something else that they had to do. And the Bible says that that's not salvation. That you're, you're, you're depending upon your works you know, for salvation. The Bible says that it is by faith alone that you put in you know, that belief in Jesus Christ, that full reliance upon salvation. Don't make it harder than what it is. Because if we add works to it, we're just like every other religion out there. Every other religion out there believes that you get to heaven because of your works. The Bible says that it's by faith that you are saved. All right, verse 11, uh, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which uh, are seen were not made of things which do not appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. He testifying of his gifts, and by it, he uh, being dead, yet speaks. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated or was taken away, taken out of his life, that he should not see death. And it, it was not found because God had translated him. For, uh, for before his translation, he had uh, this testimony that he pleased God. Now he goes in here and he says this, in verse 6, that oftentimes people misquote. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Why? Because you're not saved. That's why it's impossible to please God. If it's not, if your salvation is not by faith alone, you're not pleasing God. Let's read really the rest of it. It says, for he that uh, cometh to God must believe that he is. That he did what? That he is who? That he is God. That he died, he rose, and he gave us new life, right? And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I've heard people say, well, if I diligently seek God, if I'm just on my knees and I'm just whatever, I'm going to be, no. He's rewarding you with salvation by faith. That's what you receive. People you know, try to hyper-spiritualize, take twist, and take all kinds of scripture out of context. All he is saying is, is that, you know what, that if you diligently seek him, and I believe this, that if a person is truly wanting the truth, they earnestly desire they are going to come to Jesus Christ. Because why? Because he is the truth. Remember in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Anyone that is diligently seeking the truth, if they end up at any other religion when they say that they're seeking the truth, they weren't honestly wanting to know the truth. They were wanting to know what would benefit them. And so we read uh, on, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of, uh, warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, uh, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by, uh, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith and then verse 8 by uh, by faith abraham when he was called out uh, when he was called to go out into a place which he uh, which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went all of these are pictures of salvation. They're all saying, by faith, they're trusting God. By faith, they're trusting God for these different things. And they went. And he's making that correlation. The writer of Hebrews is making the correlation that they trusted in faith. They didn't know. I mean, Abraham just left. He never had been outside of where he was at and left and went and trusted God. Abraham, or sorry, Noah, 300 years plus, he was building the ark but yet in faith he was believing that God was telling him the truth. This is what he's trying to hammer home the point is that he's saying, you know what? They didn't know, they didn't see it, but they still put their faith in it and they they trusted God that it was going to happen. That's what we need to realize and know that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ alone, that we will receive salvation. Have we seen our salvation yet? Our full salvation? No. We're saved here. We know that. That when we die, that we will go to heaven. Why? Because we're saved here. Because we trusted in Jesus Christ alone by faith alone, in order to, you know, in order to be saved. All right, this one's not in my notes, but I'm gonna go to it anyways. Go, let's go to First John. We just went through this one a few about a month or so ago, but. First John chapter five through 13 it says that he that believeth on the, on the Son of God hath the witness in himself that in, the, in himself he that believeth not God hath not made uh, hath made him a liar because why because they're not trusting Jesus they, they, they basically say that they don't trust Jesus for faith so they're saying that Jesus is a liar. Because he uh, believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this is the life in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life and that uh, you may believe re- uh, on the name of the Son of God. We know that we have eternal life. If we have believed upon Jesus Christ by faith for salvation and his finished work upon the cross, that death, burial, and resurrection, what does it say that we have? We have eternal life. It is present that we have eternal life. Now, the full, uh, we'll see the fullness of you know, that of when we go to heaven, whether by rapture or by, or by death. But it is all by faith. If you have trusted in another way, other than by Jesus Christ, by faith alone in Jesus Christ, if somebody says, "Well, you have to be baptized, or you have to do whatever," or you didn't really you didn't receive salvation, you received a works based salvation, in which the Bible doesn't teach. But there are people out there, you know, that will sit there and tell you that you have to do this, this, and this, and they make salvation so much harder. Like I said, baptism is not a you know is is not a bad thing. We should all be baptized. The Bible, you know, that's a commandment of the Lord because we are making that public proclamation of saying, you know what? I I'm following Jesus for the rest of my life. And by the way, if you want to get if you want to get baptized, come talk to me, we can you know, we can make that happen. Should we repent? Yes, the Bible says that we are to die daily. But it's not essential for salvation. We are believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Let's pray.